everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. So um, this is the podcast where we discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And for this week, we are continuing our discussion last week on Le Mis. So if you haven't heard that episode, haven't listened to that episode, sorry, you should definitely check that out. Otherwise, whatever we're saying, this episode probably won't make sense. So yeah, go ahead and listen to that one or else you are on the right track and we will continue with Act 2. Let's continue with Act 2. So just to give a brief summary for everybody to make sure that you at least have an idea of what we're talking about. The musical is an adaptation of the Victor Hugo novel set in post-revolution France. The musical follows the story of a convicted criminal, Jean Valjean, as he is freed from prison on parole, promptly breaking said parole, and the characters he run into while attempting to live his life escaping from his prison guard, Javert. So we won't go into the history of the musical and also our own personal experiences with how we became familiar with the musical or with Lemmy's as a book for the both of us, actually. If you are interested in hearing that, highly recommend Act 1 or Part 1 of the podcast for all of that kind of jazz. So maybe we can actually dive right in to the in-depth summary of Part 2. Okay. Okay, so Act 2 opens with Javert infiltrating the revolutionaries' barricade to spy on them. The revolutionaries are currently preparing for the upheaval from the fight where Eponine disguises herself as a boy to fight next to Marius. Since Marius wants to keep her safe, he asks her to deliver a letter to Cosette to make sure she stays away from the fight. While they're planning their attack, Javert involves himself quite a bit until Gavroche recognizes him and tells Anjoras and the rest of the crew. Anjoras decides to tie Javert for now and deal with him later after the fight. Eponine returns to the barricade and we find out she has been shot or she has been maimed in some way and she is dying. Before she dies, she confesses her love to Marius. And after her death, Jean Valjean enters the barricade to help the revolutionaries out. And he does that because he read Marius's letter and he wants to make sure that he is safe for Cosette. Jean Valjean asks Anjolras to handle Javert with the assumption that he will kill him. But instead, Valjean chooses to be merciful and frees him. Javert tells Valjean point blank that he doesn't like it doesn't change anything and he will still hunt him for the criminal he is however Valjean says there are no conditions for him freeing Javert and moreover he tells him his exact location so you can find him after the revolution is done which is very generous of him so we pretty much get people dying left and right from the fight at this point forward starting actually with baby Gavroche and ending with Angel Russ such a sad moment we do find out though that Jean Valjean doesn't die, and he rescues a very critically wounded Marius from the ruins. So the Tenadiers, meanwhile, rob the bodies of the fallen soldiers and fighters. And importantly, one of the rings they robbed belonged to Marius. They literally robbed him from his finger. Um, Javert chases after Jean Valjean. He truly cannot get a single break in his life ever, while Valjean literally is carrying an almost dead Marius and is trying to get him to a doctor ASAP. Javert decides to spare him just this once, 
And after everything that he's been through, after all that he witnesses Valjean doing, he finally realizes that he's been wrong about Valjean the entire time. But he cannot make peace between that and also like that revelation and also his views on justice. And because of that disparity, he commits suicide. Marius recovers and he and Cosette reunite. Jean Valjean leaves to not put Cosette in danger because of his identity and Marius and Cosette marry. So after the war, the Tenadier pass themselves off as like noblemen and try to blackmail Marius at his and Cosette's wedding by saying Valjean is a murderer and they show him the ring they stole as proof. Marius obviously recognizes the ring and he realizes that Valjean is actually the person who saved him that night of the barricade. The couple leaves their own wedding to find him. The musical ends finally with Jean Valjean dying and being brought to heaven by Fontaine and Eponine. Although finally before dying, Cosette goes to see him one last time and he tells her about her mother and his own past. I was going to ask you, actually, yeah, I was thinking about interrupting when you get to the part where um, Javert like, commits suicide. Yeah, I always thought that part was so dramatic. It's like, does it? Does it have to be like this? Like, do you have to end things like this? Do you have to go that extreme <laughs> um, as to, like, ending your own life? Can't you not just accept, like, Jean Valjean is a good person or, like, he might not be as bad of a person as you mm-hmm. thought he is and they just moved on? I just thought it was so extreme. But I guess now that I'm a little bit older, oh, this, these are the thoughts that I had when I was, like, a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I guess... Now that I'm a little bit older, I start to see how that could possibly make sense. But it's still a very extreme reaction to um, to learning about who Jean Valjean really is. So I don't know. Like, do you have an opinion on it? Do you also feel the same way? I mean, obviously, it is definitely an extreme reaction. There is no doubt about that. I mean, mm-hmm. he finally rec- recognizes that Jean Valjean is actually a good person. And he commits suicide, which is the ultimate thing he can do. So no doubt that it's an extreme reaction. Nonetheless, I do think it fits with his character very well, considering how obsessive he was the entire musical. He essentially chased after Jean Valjean for almost 20 years. And he's been acquainted with him as a prison guard while Jean Valjean was in prison for a very long time as well. So it is definitely bordering on an obsession and the intensity in which everything is happening kind of goes well with the ultimate end of his fate. So mm-hmm. I understand. I think it fits with his character. He is obviously very dramatic for doing that. And it can border on not being very realistic. But I think it's really, really interesting that the music that plays while he has this revelation about Jean Valjean and while he tries to contend with what he knows about him as a person and his values about just the same entire time. So in the prologue, which is pretty much my favorite part of the musical, we have the moment where Jean Valjean decides to shed his identity because of the kindness from the bishop, and he managed to do that successfully. And the same music plays when Javert is trying to contend with his views on justice and mercy in regards to Jean Valjean and he's not able to do that and that's how it ends so I it really struck with me how you said last episode about the parallelism between Jean Valjean and Javier Mm -hmm. and I think this is a beautiful way to show it musically and also to show the fundamental differences between the two characters 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's an ingenious choice that they have this moment that just like symbolizes the same act, but then, or like the same thing that can happen to the both of them, but then their reaction can be so different. But this is really the part when I feel just so... So bad. I can totally see like Javert coming out of this being a more open-minded and a better person, just like Jean Valjean did. Yeah. But it just instead, like you just couldn't get it over with. And I'm like, man, it's not really that big of a deal. Well, I guess from my point of view, it's not that big of a deal. But then from <laughs> him, it's like shock his belief to the root. So I guess I understand. I can see why this ends the way that it did, but then at the same time, it's just like, man, you could have been, you could have had a different life, you know? Yeah. Like, it didn't have to end this way. I also think about the fact that it might be stemming from shame. So shame mm-hmm. about all of his past actions and finally realizing what his action that he thought were just led to ruining countless of lives. He's trying to maybe pay for his own sins by doing this act. Obviously, that's not oh, the right not way like to go. He kill anyone. No, so, but he, yeah, but he ruined their lives. Like you can argue that killing them would be kinder than what he did to them, especially in the case of Jean Valjean. So I think that a lot of it also stems from shame and the realization of just how his good intentions led to like horrific consequences. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is mixed in there, but it's definitely also about how absolutely stubborn and dogmatic he was about his own beliefs about justice. So I really like that. (laughs) (laughs) Something I'm really curious about, I never realized that while I was watching it, and I don't remember it like from the book from like over 10 years ago, but how did Jean Valjean die? What did he die from? Like old age? Like what exactly? (laughs) I think it's old age. Old age? Okay, that's not that bad of a fate, you know? Yeah, it's not. And I think he deserves a peaceful death um, that he had. Yeah, because oh, definitely. <laughs> after all the suffering and everything he had to go through, like... He's practically a saint. Yeah. Honestly, at this point, he might as well be. Yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason why Finale is always so powerful. Because um, you get to see all these people from heaven singing together. Yeah. And I'm like, man... This is where you belong. You belong in heaven. And this is where all the good souls and good people go. Yada, yada. And and I'm like happy that at least that he didn't have to die alone. So yeah, I don't think he'd die of any like illness or, or anything else. I don't even think that it was specified in the book. Not that I remembered. I think yeah, I he remember. was just dying in his bed when they got to him. Now, you know what? Actually, I'm oh. going to like. <laughs> no, actually, you can carry on because I no, just wanted no, no, to no, Google no, and be curious. like, "How did Jean Valjean die?" Oh, okay, okay. You can do that while I'm speaking. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh my god, Claire, look at what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from Google, from Google, um, it says the cause of death was old age slash grief oh, slash grief. grief. Oh, probably because that he wasn't able to contact um, Cosette afterwards. So I don't really think there was a reason. So I'm just going to say old age. It seems like yeah. everybody kind of just agreed on that. Imagine grief. It's like he's dying of broken heart like Padme from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Please, <laughs> that was a ridiculous no. moment. But yeah. yeah, so 
going to our discussion about the fan favorite characters which i mm-hmm. actually cut because i got it wrong and i don't think i don't think javert is as fan favorite as i thought he was oh, okay. um but we had a discussion about fan favorite characters and i was scrolling through reddit and tumblr oh you did your homework Yay! a little bit i i scrolled okay. for like 15 minutes that's not okay. really doing homework <laughs> but overwhelming majority of people like 90% of the posts were about Anjoras and ah. then 10% of the posts were about Jean Valjean I'd say and Jean Valjean's interaction with Cosette for example wow. or Fantine or whatever so literally the vast 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 majority was about Anjoras and I'm really Wait, curious this is like a musical post or from the book in general so like oh, in general in general so when i put like the tag as lame is that's what popped up like just posts and posts and posts about anjoras a lot of shipping posts about him which okay but just With a who? lot i i don't think he was a, a like an important character in the musical so it might be stemming from either the movie or the book but a lot of stuff about him and I enjoyed the parts that he was in and I thought he was a charismatic character his voice was great but mm-hmm. did he really make that much of an impact like do we need to reread the book or something <laughs> I remember something? um from a very very vague from this like 10 plus years ago yeah. <laughs> impression on the book that he was quite a charming character yes. in the book but he wasn't like a main character by any chance. So I think it's those effect, you know, when you have this really charming, really likable side character that kind of just stole the spotlight and maybe that's what's happening here that maybe he's just really great. I can't remember the exact events or the things that he said that was really, you know, like things related to him in a book that yeah. makes him stand out so so much to the point that 90% of people would say that he's their favorite character. Because I definitely did not remember he being my favorite character right. or even somebody that I just, you know, have a very strong impression on. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? I have no clue. But I found that very, very interesting because I remember seeing a lot of gifts from him and I mentioned it last week as well, but it was cut. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I didn't realize the extent of the fascination with Anjouras as a character. But yeah, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait. Okay. So through reading his Wikipedia, yeah. I think I know who people are shipping him with. Oh, okay. Is Maybe the name will ring a bell. Grand Tarie. Yes, 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 yes. 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 I'm pretty sure I butchered that name. But I guess anyways. he's like his right right-hand man or something? No, no. Actually on the contrary, they had a lot of conflicts and they wasn't really seeing each other eye to eye. But then Lancer at character. the very end, yeah, like at the very end of their moments when um they're both sort of dying and this is when they sort of like make peace with each other and hmm. Grantarier declares himself as a Republican. This is um straight from the wikipedia and he asked for permission to die with him so even though that they have previously despised each other um they still like welcome each other ensuring the the death together so they die hand in hand in the same body now i understand completely because it's the classic enemies lovers (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? If I remember this event taking place in a book, and I'd probably be like, okay, ah, that is something to remember. Yes, um, from the book. I'm sure. like, listen, just you telling me this from the Wikipedia, which is usually the driest source ever. I am tearing <laughs> up. Like, it's so yeah. cute. It's, it's so like cute. I am already shipping these two people, <laughs> right? <laughs> from these just these few lies man so i understand now why 90 based on that description or about Anjouras. going back to the real traumatic incident which after the movie came out again i have absolutely no relation to the movie except for being in the periphery while it was big and it was a very big event for some reason everybody was talking about how tragic the deaths are and obviously pretty much all the deaths occur in act two which is what we're discussing right now it's something yeah i mean one death which in my opinion was much more impactful than all of the other deaths but one death in act one and then a million deaths in act two um did it impact you a lot especially when you saw it live that the amount of death yeah the amount of death or like the important characters are dying so for example your favorite Beljan though he has a relatively happy ending I'd argue but um did did you find very very emotional or impactful compared to act one I mm, I feel like they have a very different emotional engagement um I have to see I have to say though I even though I saw it live but (laughs) because I read the book so I know what was coming so when the revolution happened like the barricade and everything happened and everyone sort of like dies like obviously it's a sad moment but it didn't hit me as hard as I imagined it would be and something that really um I guess is emotionally engaging for me in act two I guess that involves a death would be actually Ephany yeah so whenever like she dies in Mary's arm and they have this like song together and then she stopped singing, but then he had to finish the last line. Like, that always hit me. Always, always hit me. And Ebony isn't even my favorite character. Yeah. I, as a character, I couldn't really care about her all that much. But in her death and her song, man, those are powerful. I really almost cry every single time that I watch that scene. <laughs> in Aww. person, especially. So I'll say that is definitely the most emotional moment in Act 2. For me, aside from, I guess, maybe the finale. Yeah. Yeah. The finale is great. I agree with you. That's what I mentioned. Like, the biggest gripe by far that I have of the musical, in general, I actually, based on my memory from 12, from being 12 years old to now, I enjoyed the musical more just because it is less depressing and also the music Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But the biggest gripe that I have is with the characters and how I don't feel for them very much or I I don't feel very emotional towards them with the exception of maybe a couple of characters. And Mm -hmm. she is definitely one of the exceptions because even though her time in the musical is very short, you don't see much of her and what you see of her is something that is so boring. Like nobody likes love triangles anymore, Mm -hmm. especially after the whole craze from the late 2000s and early 2010s where it was all you can see. So she has something that is very difficult to enjoy and like and she has such little screen time in this case or stage time and she is still very very impactful as a character and you still love her and you still really root for her and I think it's because of how kind she is and how willing she is to do the good thing in her own expense and to her own like detriment so for example like mm-hmm. screaming in the end of act one to, to warn jungle Jean, that is really I think the portion of her that's endearing to people mm-hmm. I agree 
I think the musical definitely made her character much more likable compared yeah. to the book. Oh yeah, like in the book, she's just she's a menace. <laughs> she's a menace. Yes. <laughs> she's like trapping Marius like onto this play so that they can die together. Like I'm a man, girl. You need to like get away from this dude <laughs> and like get a life, okay? But in the in the musical, she's so innocent. Yeah. She has done nothing wrong, pretty much, and that's why you can really feel for her and feel bad for her too. So I agree. I think her death is very impactful, and is also like the first glimpse of um like the death that will happen during the revolution, so to speak. Mm. So it it kind of like opens up the the following series of you know battle and then people dying and all that stuff. So. I think it's definitely um, a very significant event in the musical, even though that she is relatively a more minor character on the side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think her book character is more akin to her Act One counterpart when she was a kid. So when mm-hmm. she was a kid, you see her that Nadir is like doting on her, and she's a little bit like sassy or a little bit mean to Cosette, which makes sense because she was raised in such a way to really not value her and maybe probably to think of her as a servant but it's still like it doesn't mesh well with how you see her later on and how kind she is and it's mm-hmm. probably due to like the struggle of having to transition from being in an inn and in a relatively safe environment to being on the streets as part of a gang so she became a much better person as she ages and I don't think people um necessarily have that kind of context and mm-hmm. it's better that they don't <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it's like just enjoy Ebony for who she is in a musical because you're gonna have a mixed feeling <laughs> about yes. her if you know more a hundred percent um hmm. I think for me apart from her death I did feel like a twinge of something in the end of the fight a when Gavroche died because he's a child like imagine seeing a child just dying that's that's very mortifying it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. And um, then in the version that I watched, they kind of like panned to Anjoras when he died. And he's kind of like the last person that you see from the fight scene. And you see his like lifeless body there. And it does make Aww. you feel something. Mm-hmm. So not, not as visceral as Eponine, for example. Mm-hmm. Especially since she had a very long, drawn out like death scene compared to pretty much everybody else except for Jean Valjean and Fontaine. But... Mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess you're there. But <laughs> just like, oh, and him. Exactly. <laughs> I forgot about him. Oopsie daisy. But <laughs> there is still an impact from seeing them for a very little amount of time, just seeing the horror of what the fight can bring. And also maybe having the repri- the reprise of the lovely ladies of all the women who they don't know what to do anymore, considering all the men are dead. So mm-hmm. there is some kind of emotional impact there, but it's not as strong as the rest of them for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, agree. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make a note mm-hmm. that um, if you're watching purely just the concert version, whether or not that's like 25th anniversary or I think the 10th anniversary also, mm-hmm. you don't really see the fighting scene on yeah. stage because obviously it's not a song, so they're not going to show you and sing it to you. So um you're probably going to be thinking like, what are they talking about? Yeah. So this is what we're talking about. You should definitely go see like a stage um, version somehow. Mm-hmm. So you know what 
we are referring to here. And yeah, it's just, it might be confusing for those who have no idea. That's a great <laughs> if note. If they just yes. listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen any of the concerts. So I can comment about that. I do know some of the people who were in the concert, Ramen, for example. Mm-hmm. But also, did you watch The Great British Bake Off? No. Okay. Um, the person who is the current host next to Noel, um, his name is Matt, I believe. He was Mencia Tenadier there, which what? was a shock of my life to see him in clips. I was like, oh, I recognize him. Interesting. So that was that was a fun revelation. Oh, speaking of cast. Mm. So I just want to share that I watched this in West End and I think October or November 2017. Uh-huh. And out of curiosity, I was Googling like, oh, who was the cast um, back then? And I <laughs> ran into a name that was familiar to us. Mm. So this is the dude who played Charlie in Kinky Boots. Ooh. So he was playing... Jean Valjean <gasps> at the time that I went to see it in West End and I'm wow like, whoa I did not expect to see your name here mister but yeah <laughs> there he was um so good for him I did not recognize him uh, <laughs> and that's episode but, two episode two can you pretty know, much our last I know. isn't it crazy anyways and the person who was in who was Cosette I think in that same year was somebody called Carly Stenson so mm-hmm. I think she was in Legally Blonde as Elle sometime before I don't think we watched her version, no we didn't though. watch her version no no but yeah you know what it was <gasps> oh fun my god what because they went to watch it in the West End um yeah. the West End literally very recently made a revival of Legally Blonde and the most cursed thing came out of that revival do you want to guess oh. what could be that cursed that I'm talking about right now and made such a buzz no you don't want to guess (laughs) wait 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 okay okay is that um give me a hint what is it about it's relating to her dog did they take her dog out like completely no did it kill her dog no (laughs) imagine (laughs) i mean i don't know they made her dog be played by a human and the human is like walking a dog <laughs> bring an actual cute puppy that's what we're here for that's what we want to see we don't want to see human as a dog imagine oh my god that is how very on earth does that sound like a good idea right? to any normal functioning human being right if you can't get like a real life dog because they're not trained get like the into the woods treatment and make the dog like a cutout version like milky white in into the woods Mm-hmm. do that or don't do anything at all I don't care but like listen a real life human <laughs> it's a that chihuahua is, nonetheless that, too yeah that's I hate to use the word but that's disgusting I don't want to see like a human dog on the stage was it a I chihuahua or was it a pomeranian I'm not I sure I think it was a chihuahua a chihuahua I think so too but yeah like mm, mm, that's wrong don't just wrong <laughs> okay okay that is very weird and Actually, just upon like literally googling this like two seconds ago, I realized <laughs> your Google game is so strong today. <laughs> I know. Are you impressed? Anyways, <laughs> um, there is a legally blonde three. I did uh, not know this, but there's a legally blonde three that is supposed to come out in 2023. Mm-hmm. So it was set for release in May 2022 this year, but it was delayed. And now that they're going to 
release it potentially in 2023. Does that sound right to you? Like, is it had they just run out of ideas, so they oh, want to like do a revival ago. and shit? Like, what long the hell? Long ago, long ago, they have no original thoughts to hold together oh, anymore. My goodness, not a single uh, one. But is it with Reese Witherspoon? I think so. Okay. I think so. I don't know. Um, I have faith in her. I mean, I want I'm to sure have faith she's in her. great, but what I don't have faith in is this plot. So I feel like if the plot is going to be Wait, shit. what is the plot? Then I, I don't know. I don't know. But oh. I feel like it's probably not going to be great if um you're like forcing this to come back. It could be good. Life. It could be good. <laughs> Usually it's not. Usually it's not. Just look at. Um, I agree. I agree. Even, Usually it's oh my shit. God. Usually, Usually it is shit. Yeah. But I want to have faith in Reese Witherspoon specifically. So I'm going to reserve my judgment. And if uh-huh. it's terrible, we will let you, I will let you know personally. Okay. Um, I'm not going to watch it just so that I don't destroy any last um, respect I have for Legally Blonde. So you can I let me know if you watch Blonde, it. So I want, it won't destroy any of my experiences at all. If anything, I'll just laugh at it and be like, oh, okay. It's shit, but <laughs> <laughs> apart from that, I won't make anything that I liked bad. Okay. Back to yeah. Lamez, though. Okay, yeah. Yes. Sorry, that was like a very long stretch. I think we are okay with all the characters. I truly have not a thing to say about Marius and Cosette. And mm, for yeah. discussion-wise, I said all I wanted to say about the Tenadiers in Act 1. Okay. So I just okay. want to make a comment about Marius because I thought in the book he was making a really bad move by like telling Valjean that he cannot meet Cosette ever. And in the musical, is Valjean who like kind of offer it. And Marius is kind of like, okay, I guess. Um, so that's do, did you notice that difference? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> not at so all. in the book, it was like the other way around. Oh, interesting. And yeah, and Valjean had to like passively accepts it because he knows that it's probably for the best but then he is obviously not very happy about that glad they didn't do that yeah yeah because there is one more but reason it makes to more sense it makes more sense considering what happens later like if marius asked him to do that first and then they have their wedding and then he learns that valjean is actually the one who saved him and he goes to him rushes mm-hmm. to him to see him before he dies that's a lot more poetic cinema than mm-hmm. what happens there which is a little bit disjointed he's like oh, okay i guess let's visit my father-in-law before he dies or fucks off yeah it's like but, oh he was the one who saved my life i guess it makes <laughs> sense too but it's just not as impactful i agree i think it's to make marius a little bit more of a likable character because he really has nothing to yeah. <laughs> besides a pretty face and a very gorgeous voice he really doesn't yeah. have anything it depends on which version you watch i guess um i was watching the 25th anniversary and did you know who played marius in that no. version oh is it nick, nick jonas, jonas. Yeah, yeah. yeah nick jonas has a pretty face i don't know about the pretty voice i like his, his pop songs. voices was actually okay Ooh. like it wasn't too bad i have to give him that obviously there is a a, a difference like you can tell you know a pop singer versus like a musical singer what really bothers me is that he has no emotional expression like his facial is very limited you don't really feel like he's that's the thing that bothers me it's like you don't really feel like he's in character especially (laughs) when he sings that empty chairs at empty tables which is such a heartbreaking song and how can you like possibly fucked up with the acting in this song? It just it's so it's so strong, so sad. But he would just he looks like he's 
not feeling it. <laughs> I did not buy that he was like brothers with, with these people. But anyways, I think he was trying his best though. And it must be a very stressful environment for oh, yeah. somebody like him to like perform there, you know? Being especially around with all, all these, these amazing cast. Except exactly exceptional yeah. like performers. Imagine, especially not coming from a theater background, but I'm really shocked that he wasn't up to par with his acting, considering like that's how he got famous, like Camp Rock and the Jonas Brothers and all that kind of stuff. Like it's acting and singing in a done deal. Like that's what Disney's about, right? But I don't understand why he why they casted him as Marius, because if they are able to get Ramin as um oh my god, what's his name? The is is Je- oh the dude? Yes, Azuras. I'm saying it very like, confidently, but I'm confident that I'm <laughs> fucking it up too. <laughs> well, you're probably pronouncing it better than I do, so you're good there. Anyway, so if they can, if they can cast Ram in, why can't they give the role to him instead of the giving it to like Nick? Stunt, I mean, his is not horrible. It's not horrible. But... It's stunt casting. Like you know, Ramin how... has a lot of fans. No, no, that's true, but you don't expect like the average teenager to know who ramen is unfortunately in a just uh-huh. world you would but in the current society that we live in you expect people to know who nick jonas is you don't expect them to know who ramen is and it's very common on broadway like there was a truly truly devious horrible time in uh, mean girls where they got a youtuber who has absolutely no theater background to play aaron from legally Ugh. from uh, from mean girls and uh he did a horrible job <laughs> so, <laughs> they did it all for the money it's not uncommon in fact it's very 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 common it happens mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. but considering what you told me that he didn't do terribly in the singing portion of it as a concert i feel like it probably matters more than if it was the stage version mm-hmm yeah i think he did a better job than i would have expected but it's just not to the level where everybody else is at. Overall, I think the songs in Act 2 are less impactful than the songs in Act 1, which makes sense because a lot of the themes are built from the ones from Act 1 anyway, and they repeat themselves to show the changes in the Mm -hmm. story and also the different Mm -hmm. changes in the characters. So it makes sense why it would be less impactful. Nonetheless, there are still very, very good numbers in Act 2. So... With that, what is your favorite number of Act 2? This, obviously, again, is a hard choice, but I think I'm going to give it to On My Own. It's just because it's such a good song. There is no explanation necessary for this song because it's so good. And I can see myself singing the song (laughs) over and over again. You've never? Oh, I mean, I do. Yeah, exactly. I I can see myself singing in a karaoke, for example. Oh my god, can you stop with the karaoke stuff? Because I am literally <laughs> frothing in the mouth. I want to have a karaoke night and see everything come together. Lion King on my own. Everything coming together. Everything. We need that. We need that we, in our lives. Yeah, that, that will be the theme of our karaoke night. It's just musicals and we'll just go through every single oh, one of our favorite songs. That will take every hours. <laughs> that will take hours and we're probably going to spend like $100 on it. But like... Who cares? $100 is pretty decent. Like Really? The, I don't know how what's the normal price for a karaoke It's here. expensive. It's Holy expensive. cow. <laughs> it's more expensive to get like, food and drinks. <laughs> ah. But that's how they really get you. But it can be also expensive just to be in the room. I think I once, once heard like an urban legend of people staying overnight 
at a karaoke bar. Overnight. Okay. Like, Isn't they, it cheaper and like some kind of special price or something if you go at really odd hours? Is it? I have no idea. I've never done that. I've heard other people say that they've seen people stay overnight for like hours and hours and hours in a karaoke room or a karaoke mm-hmm. bar. First of all, expensive. And mm-hmm. second of all, I cannot imagine the strain on your voice after a night like that. It must oh, be yeah. off the charts. Yes, On My Own is also my favorite. So actually, we're very in tune for our favorites from the both acts. I wonder what is going to be our ultimate favorite from, mm-hmm. from the musical. At least based on the two acts, very much in tune. I really, really like it. Um, the version I watched was with Carrie Hope Fletcher, who is amazing. And she gave like the performance of a lifetime here, singing that number with the emotions in the voice and with just like the song itself. It's very, very impactful, very well done. My runner up would be Bring Him Home, though. Oh, man, such a good song. Yeah. Which version did you listen to? So the same one as last time, the one from 2014. So yeah, is is Bring Him Home your runner-up as well, or is it a different one? I think I'll have to go with Bring Him Home as well. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. And I listened to um, Alfie Bowie, Bowie yeah. um, <laughs> version, and he's absolutely amazing. And in that song, like, oh my goodness, his voice, stunning, so fantastic. I really recommend it, to be honest. It's such a good song, such a good song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also heard about it first in Glee. It was performed in Glee in a diva off or like a duel where they're trying to decide who's going to be the better person um, who comes up on top. And you're actually familiar with the characters, so I can use their name, but it was between Kurt and Rachel. And the first like um, competition that they had was Defying Gravity. And this is kind of like a second one. And Defying Gravity, obviously, Rachel is going to smash it out of the park. She's a belter. And Kurt really does not have the vocal range for Defying Gravity as a song. So he didn't do very well. He botched it to say like, oh, you know, it wasn't intentional. Like you you won by default because I purposely watched it. He, he would have never won in his life with this kind of song. But with Bring Him Home, he did a really good job because it's very suited for, for his voice. So that is my familiarity with Bring Him Home. I much prefer, obviously, the musical version of it because it's more coherent and it's attached to a story that makes it a lot more emotional. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Um, not the glee part, but <laughs> that's fair. It's a, it's a good song. The 25th anniversary, at the end of it, they have like, they have invited a lot of Jumbo Johns from yeah. the past to sing the song together. And it's absolutely a pleasure just to listen. So this is like a golden treasure. If you haven't found it, you haven't listened to it, you didn't know that it exists. This is literally your time to Google or YouTube and just, you know, do yourself a favor and listen mm-hmm. to it because you won't regret it. So good. So good. Yeah. 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 I, apart from that, I think like the other standout for me, apart from the Do You Hear the People Sing Reprise, which is literally the finale, is um, Javert's soliloquy where he dies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was a very powerful song. He had a very well-deserved solo and it made the impact it needed, even though his conviction regarding like the confusion between justice and mercy and can people change is a little bit misguided. And Empty Chairs at Empty Tables is also another one I enjoy, depending on who sings it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> 
but it's always like a, a good addition because you don't really well at least i don't really feel like Mar uh, marius 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 doesn't have too much of a personality he's very much like a romeo type of character yeah. before this and this is literally the moment where you get to see him outside the romantic um, plot line so i mean before this he was also in the revolution group songs or or settings but he's just kind of like in the background and singing together you don't really feel like he felt too strongly about the revolution as the other people do mm -hmm. so I feel like this is a moment for him to shine um obviously to demonstrate his vocal ability because hey his first solo kind of um and second of all to kind of just showcase that what who what kind of person he is outside the oh I just love Cosette um <laughs> type of character you know for somebody who doesn't feel very strongly about the revolution as other people, he was still willing to die for it. He was a hair width away from being dead when Jean Valjean found him and got him to the doctor. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. still he has like his own conviction. He is very loyal to his friends and the cause and whatnot. So he has Oh, for strength, sure, for sure. But he's just boring. So <laughs> we ignore <laughs> them. Um, but yeah, Empty Chairs and Empty Table is definitely like a standout song, especially depending, as you said, on who the performer mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. um so with that what is your favorite song from all of lena's oh this is such a killing question but <laughs> i think i'll still go with maybe on my own me too yeah yeah it's really a hard choice between on my own and one day more because i like them for different reasons i just think like i can't sing on my own on my own <laughs> but I can't sing one day more on my own you know what I mean yes like yeah it requires way too many parties to like pull on doesn't mean you want to try <laughs> well technically I can record myself and like be my own backup singers do but... you hear that that sounds like wonderful in the hands of the right person <laughs> like I've seen Disney compilation where people do that and it sounds amazing and also some like Christmas songs and Christmas carol compilation people can do a really good job with those okay I, I don't know <laughs> I feel like probably not gonna work for one day more but okay that is fair how about you what's the ultimate favorite it is on my own as well okay okay cool in the beginning in act in the recording of act one I mentioned that this is a double second for us we have a second because Victor Hugo's book, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, is an episode we covered before. And also mm -hmm. a second because Schoenberg and Bublil created Miss Saigon, which is a musical that we covered in the past as well. Actually, in our very early days. So it's truly like something that I haven't, we haven't talked about in a while. But um, I'm really curious to see the compare and contrast between them. So for example, with Miss Saigon, do you believe that, obviously, since it's your favorite, I'm assuming that you like this more, but do you see the similarities between how the music is written and maybe even like the choice material of, of the source to cover? Like, do you see the creator's spark in them, do you, within them, and you can like mesh them together? Or no, like you think it are completely detached. You were very, very surprised. They sound very different from each other. Because there are certain creators where I wouldn't necessarily recognize that thread between all mm -hmm. the works that they've done. And certain creators where, I was, where I'm like, oh, okay, that's for sure their signature and things. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think, has a very clear style. And also Andrew Lloyd Webber has a very clear style in Sondheim. But I forgot his name. But the person who made The Last Five Years 
he has very, very different tones for his musicals. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious to see how you feel in terms of the creators between the two musicals of theirs that we watched. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a very sharp, sensitive ear for this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. for me, I didn't spot any similarity that makes me go like, Oh, I know this is from a Saigon. Like none of that, to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't know why that is. Probably, I'm going to say, maybe it's because Miss Saigon obviously is taking place in Vietnam and that is like an entirely different setting. Mm-hmm. And maybe they trying to implement more of the music that will fit with that setting versus this one is like very French, very European. And then maybe the choice of instrument, for example, would be different because of that. But I don't really know. Maybe it's just me and I have a poor um, <laughs> sensitivity to this kind of thing. So it might be that as well. But did you pick it up? Did you feel like you see a lot of similarity there? Well, I knew it before. So it's not like I was going into it okay. and I didn't okay. know that they were the same creators. I really liked the music in Miss Saigon. Like the reason why I still care about Miss Saigon at all is because I found the music to be great. The story is inferior to the story limits in a lot of ways, but the music is still fantastic in both of them. Like I think like the lyrics, which in this case were translated from French, but still, and the music itself, which is great. And there's a lot of themes that carry over um, the different acts and from different characters and their situation. So I saw similarities in that way. And I also saw their pull towards something that is tragic, maybe something Mm -hmm. that includes war in it. They don't necessarily have... Like, they don't necessarily have a happy ending, but it's also a very classic story. So in all of that, I saw similarities, but I wouldn't be able to say, oh, this is an unmistakable style that mm-hmm. carries over. I don't mm-hmm. think it's it's the same as, like, the last five years uh, creator level of disparity between the two shows. But I also don't think it's as distinct as, like, let's say, Andrew Lloyd Webber or, her, or Lin-Manuel Miranda or Sondheim. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like no, an in-between yeah. for me. yeah. How about Victor Hugo? So in terms of the two creations that he has, you really like the story for both of them. So yeah. I'm really curious if this is something that you are able to pick up themes between them, if you had a bias towards one of them more. I know this is your favorite as a musical, but putting it as a story, do you have a preferences towards one of them as a story? And were you able to detect any themes? I think I do prefer Le Mis as a story just because it's more grand, like in terms of the skill of things. And um, I guess I'll just go to why it has been my all time favorite musical as well is because like a lot of the themes we can extract from other musicals, not to like downgrade them or anything, but like it's not as deep and grand as Le Mis in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. Le Mis it's almost like a soul like evaluation of like oh how can a person redeem himself and this is like a lifelong journey that we are witnessing him from pretty much like from the beginning to the end really and it's just first of all it's long in terms of the length that, that the time skip that the musical or the story covers and second of all it goes much deeper within a person than um, I think a lot of other musicals are about. Yes, I'm talking about you high school related musicals. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously those are realistic struggles as well, right? And there's a reason why those are created. So I'm not saying that those don't matter. It's just mm-hmm. 
Uh, and in terms of this and also the themes, the other thing, uh, events that takes place in this story in particular is so much um, more serious and it's like a matter of life, death, even because we're talking about rev- revolution here. It really gives you um, a chance to look at how things were back in the time and what sort of things that it has to struggle both at the um, social level and at the personal level to reach where the characters end up being. So I do think that is pretty incredible. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it, actually, Miss Saigon gives me very similar feelings now that we're talking about wars and stuff. Because yeah. it's like a setting, a contact that's really beyond your control. This is like a generation kind of thing that is like, sometimes you might feel like you're being carried away and you have no choice but to kind of adapt into um, the situation or the changes. But what is really valuable, I think, in these stories is that even though there's a lot of things that is just beyond your control or um, that is just not up to you but you still get to see how main characters try uh, strive to reach their goals and try to succeed even in these very extreme and difficult situations mm-hmm. and you don't really see those sort of like challenges situations happening in most of the musicals because it doesn't take place in a in the kind of setting like that yeah. so I think that's why it just moves me a lot more comparing to a lot of other musicals um, and I definitely feel like as a story itself Le Mis has that power um, and impact compared to like the Hunchback of the Notre Dame which still is a great story but it just doesn't it, it's just not at the same level as you know like the whole this is the context and this is the environment and okay throw yourself in there and like how can you like how can you do better like how what would you do as a as a person as a character blah 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 so that's my preference and I hope mm. that makes sense yeah yeah for sure for me it has to be Lemis because I haven't read Hunchback of Notre Dame my familiarity before getting into the musical was the Disney version. It's difficult to compare. But what is really interesting for me as a point of comparison is my biggest criticism for Les Mis is the adaptation for the musical, even though I do think I do enjoy it more than the book itself, is that it's hard to feel for the characters because mm-hmm. we don't necessarily know much about them. They're very externally driven and stuff like that, with the exception of a few of them. It makes sense because it's such a huge, humongous novel and you only have two and a half hours. In comparison to that, Hunchback is concentrating on several characters only, and it's not as much of an ensemble cast. And you get to think about them and see them in a lot more depth. I guess now that you, I mean, obviously you know the source material and whatnot, but then now that you complete watching like the thing from the beginning to the end, aside from the fan, uh, the Fontaine part where it's like depressing, I know it's not your cup of tea. Like, what did you think about the actors specifically? Like, did you um, feel like it's something that you would want to watch it in person in the theater? Or no, no, I would definitely no. I would like to watch it in the theater regardless. Like, I wouldn't mind watching it before in the theater because I do understand it's a big musical and watching it in a theater will probably give it the best lens in which to view it to make the most amount of impact in general. Like, no matter Mm -hmm. what musical it is, the way to watch it is on stage because that's how it was supposed to be communicated to you. 
even before this, I would have no issue watching it on stage. I do think that Act 2 is inferior to Act 1 because in Act 1, you truly get to know the characters more and get attached to them more. And also the story follows a lot more of a coherent storyline, whereas Act 2 is very much dependent on Act 1. I do think it's, a, it's really, really well done musically and the acting is really, really good and the story is interesting. So... I have a good opinion of Le Mis. It's just not something I would watch over and over again, unlike some other musicals that I would like go to again and again and again. This one, I would probably need a lot more room in between each viewing. No, I get that. Yeah, it's very emotional. And I feel like it's it can be a little overwhelming for somebody who's like very used to light, um, funny, happy theme music i don't think it's overwhelming i just think that it's a lot of emotion though (laughs) yeah i think it's just depressing and it can be depressing in a well done way or it can be depressing in a way that can seem a little bit pointless even so there are a lot of deaths that are not strictly necessary in my opinion and a lot of themes that are not necessary as well but just give the overall Do you have like an example of that where you feel like, oh, this is probably not um, required to be included? Well, we did discuss in length the fact that Javert's reaction to finding out about Jean Valjean being a nice person and how extreme his reaction is. You can also, I think it it follows and it makes sense based on his character, but you can argue otherwise. Even the death of characters like Roche, it's not really necessary. It probably shows you how horrible the war is there is rationale behind it but it's not necessary so every death it it contributes to the ambience of how depressing and helpless the times felt and you have songs that I would cut that also really harp on how hopeless everything is around them and how shitty the situation they are like living is it just it's just not my cup of tea. You, know? totally you can fine. have something that is like really, really well done. And you recognize that it's well done. Like it's written beautifully and whatnot, but it's just not something that is necessarily for you. So mm-hmm. it depends. And I think you probably have a lot of those as well because we have truly opposite views. You can recognize probably something, oh, it's well done as a, as a musical or maybe as a book, but it's not something that is for me. Mm-hmm. No, that? and I respect that. I feel like just... Ultimately, it counts down to what you prefer, right? Like, it's just honestly personal preference as to what you like about it, what you don't like to see that often about. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think that's probably what it always came down to for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't really change my opinion. I did feel an immense amount of relief that it's less depressing, though. I will have to say that. So we're doing Lemis character personality quiz from lemis.fandom.com. Yeah, so it's from the Lemis wiki, which is why I feel like it's extra like correct. Okay. <laughs> there's one character in personality quizzes we've done that is like the ultimate one. It must be coming from the wiki, right? Mm-hmm. It's official. Sure. It's from the experts. It doesn't look like a Wikipedia, but okay. Let's go with question number one. People see you as selfless, moral, devoted, innocent, nationalistic, intelligent, street smart. Honestly, I don't think people will see me as any of this thing, but I don't know. Moral? 
I guess. Yeah, I think I see was moral the most. Okay. I'm not really sure about mine either, but maybe I guess I'll go with intelligent. Mm-hmm. You believe in seeing the good in everyone that we all can change for the better. Stupidity, ignorance, and criminal acts are to blame for the world. Oh, <laughs> I think this explains um, a person very perfectly. Right? I wonder who that is. I have no clue. In your own strength, that you have the will to go on despite trials and life, that hope for a new beginning will come along, that everyone should be treated fairly, in love at first sight, <laughs> in providing your allegiance to another or- in order to get them to notice you. Mm, I think I would go with maybe A, seeing the good at everyone that we can all change for the better. Me too. What do you do as a pastime? Pray, observe people <laughs> in a not so stockish way, comb your hair or look at the mirror. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, right? Helping others, meet up with your friends and discussing your views on the world, thinking, reading, or studying, wandering the streets. I wonder, I wonder, um, uh, <clears throat> funny, um, um, <laughs> um, I would say thinking, reading, or studying, probably. I guess I'll go with E, or maybe F, I'll go with F as well, thinking, reading, okay. or studying. In reading a news report, you saw that a massive hurricane hit a certain country. People are starving and destitute. Some have even resorted to stealing. You react by. I wish there was some way I can help them. The nerve of these scallywags. <laughs> <laughs> no one should ever disobey the law. I think I'm sensing a pattern of bees here. <laughs> I hope none of my loved ones are there. Why is this happening? They never did anything wrong. Have mercy on these people. The government should be doing something now. That's strange. Hurricanes like this don't usually strike at this time of the year. I know exactly how to act if I were in their situation. I feel like you can be thinking and feeling a lot of these at the same time. So (laughs) it's hard to pick one (laughs) for now. But I feel like my very first thought would probably be, I hope none of my loved ones are there. I'm assuming that I know where my loved ones are at. So I think I'll go with A. I okay. wish there was some way I can help them. But it says hit a certain country. So you yeah, don't know which country it hit. I mean, unless it's my country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, like it could be your country. I think they would mention hit your country. Rather than oh, okay. Country. So this is not your country. Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to go with the government should be doing something now then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, Which line can you most relate to? The consequences of our actions are always so complicated, so diverse, that predicting the future is a very difficult business indeed. The law is hard, but it is the law. I do anything for you, dear, anything, for you mean everything to me. Where is love? Does it fall from skies above? I love my country, not my government. I just want to spend every possible minute of the rest of my life with you. In my experience, true love is usually the most inconvenient kind. I love my country, but not my government. I guess I'll go with A. The consequences of our actions are always so complicated, so diverse, that predicting the future is very difficult business indeed. You find out that you, you found out that your classmate was about to cheat on a test. What do you do? 
tell the teacher it's unhealthy for them to cheat on a test and you are concerned about what trouble they may get into. Report to the teacher, it's injustice. They cannot just easily get away with it. To tell the nearest adult, you can't keep that to yourself. Sit them down so you can talk to them about it, then offer to help. Tell them it's unfair to all your other classmates. It would be self-indulgent to cheat. Tell the teacher you studied all day for this test. You're not going to let someone undeserving get high marks. Inform your crush to be wary of this person. You wouldn't want him or her to be involved in this. There is not an option of just like keep your mouth shut and pretend I know, that you stay didn't in your lane. <laughs> I know, I know. But if I must choose, I think I'm going to choose F. Tell the teacher, study all day for this, and you're really? not going to let someone understand. Yeah, wow. that's probably what I would do. I would go with D, sit them down so you can talk to them about it, and then offer to help. I don't want to. I feel like that them. most likely will like blow up in your face, depending on like how well you know the person. But I can definitely see somebody be like, this is not your business. Like, shut up, and then just walk away from me. So I'm like, okay. But if the purpose is to help them out, if they refuse your help, like that's one thing, just like stay in your lane. That's how I visualize it. But like, you're not saying them to hold it over their heads. You're saying that so you can help them do better. Oh, no. but why would I want to help somebody? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's true. Like, sure, sure, sure. I mean, that's a very nice thing to do. I just don't see myself doing that. <laughs> I just don't see myself telling the teacher that like that's why everything that has been it's kind of like stricken from the record for me, I will probably right? just yeah. shut up to be honest yes. most realistically but if I must choose right out of curiosity have you ever seen anybody cheat no okay interesting have you no but I've heard people say they cheat on a test have you cheated on the no, test? No, no, okay. but I've heard like like friends say, oh, you know, a very common thing to do, but you can write the answers on a sheet and attach it to like your skirt or something if you're a girl. Wow. And then they wow. flip the skirt a little bit to see the answers. Oh, that's or interesting. say like a formula. People had their ways, my God. People I feel have their like, ways. A very they get creative. You know what, Ashley? I accidentally cheated once. You did? So, yeah, I did. Though accidentally though because I was in Taiwan and we were having this midterm and I was like shit I don't know the answer of this math test so I'm just like all right this is the end of me like I if I don't know part a I can't go move on right to like part b c d um and then the the person sitting in front of me like he was leaning sideways so like his paper literally was like in my face so I was like <laughs> oh shit I saw it and then I'm like oh do I put it down do I not put it down and after like 0.5 seconds of like consideration, I'm like, all right, I'll put it down and move on to Barbie CD. So thanks to that, was it dude, right? I passed. Sorry? It was right though, the answer? It was right. Yes! <laughs> Go anonymous person that helped out Claire and Clutch. Thank you. Thank it was you. divine intervention helping you, actually. It was like heavenly beam going towards that <laughs> test and showing you the right answer at the exact right time. I know, right? Find a sack full of weapons, valuable treasures. Which do you pick? Candlesticks, a gun, a mirror, a beautiful old doll, a bayonet, a dusty book. Try to get as much as possible. Try to get as yeah, much as right? possible. That makes yeah. the most sense. A mirror? Like, come on, man. That is true. But what if it's like encrusted in silver around it, like the rim or gold? Oh, maybe. You know, it could be valuable. An anonymous person is cyberbullying your friends and he slash she is greatly affected. What do you do? Tell an adult because you believe that they can offer white advice. Tie back. 
back you butt cyberbullying is against the law in all caps in all caps exactly that's really important because they can see that it's all yeah make sure this person doesn't influence your friend to do bad things you care too much about him or her be careful not to be involved in this kind of nonsense it's best if you just stay out of the picture type back how would you react if someone was doing this to you you need to treat others like you want to be treated yourself do the most logical thing as soon as possible. Okay, but that's not really helpful in my opinion. But tell your friend to show that person that you're not affected. To prove to the person that you're strong and tough. To me, to do the most logical thing as soon as possible would be like to report it to like authority or something. Yeah. So I can see that being an option. But yeah. I feel like that's um, kind of like a, a cheaty way to do like this. It's just like, oh, do the best thing that you can. Or do the best thing in general. And you don't really have to think about what the best thing is or decide what would be the best thing. So mm-hmm. for me, that's why I wouldn't choose F. I would go with A, tell an adult. Not because they can offer wise advice, but I'm assuming this is directed towards students and maybe they can intervene, contact like the school or a guidance counselor mm. or anything like that. So I'm going to go with A. Uh, I probably will go with C. So make sure this person doesn't influence your friend too much. Um, because I don't know, like to me, I'll just probably like just quit social media. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you still need to talk to an authority, but uh, the most immediate action right at the moment will probably just like to cut off from yeah. the internet. That is true. That's a that's a sage advice. You're about to choose what you will wear today. You choose something very simple, not too extravagant, something that offers you durable protection something comfortable, something pretty, something that shows that you are one with the people that you care what about. What the fuck does that even mean? I know, right? <laughs> but you, so, I don't know, dress up as a homeless person. So like, they're like, oh, I care about the people. I have no idea what they mean no by idea. that. It's very interesting. I'd love to know what they had in mind when they wrote this, but okay. something professional looking, anything available, I guess. Something comfortable. Something pretty. And last question, if you could pick your results in this quiz, which do you pick? We take your choice into account as well. Valjean, Javier, Fontaine, Cosette, Anjoras, Marius, Eponine. Valjean? Yeah, Valjean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the most complex character. And now, results, we count which letter we had the most. So Becky, this is hard. I have two A's, two F's, two E's, and two C's. Wow. So literally, it's like a draw between like four people. <laughs> okay, you can be all four people. Oh, or we can perfect. Do, or we can do like a Russian roulette. How many? So which one do you have two of? A, C, E, and F. Okay. Tell me when to stop, okay? Okay. And go. You got A. A? Yeah. Okay, that's what I was doing. What it was doing was just AC, FAC, FAC, and whatever. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, do you want to read it? Sure. You're kind, merciful, and compassionate, and many people like being with you. You're selfless, and you like to live a simple life. 
I don't think Valjean likes to, I mean, he would like to, but he did not have a simple life. You're willing to help other people in need anytime because you see the good in everyone. You're very religious, definitely not true, and devoted (laughs) to God, which is also not true, but okay. Yeah, that that part we can admit. I got five A's out of the 10 questions. So I got Jean Valjean as well. (laughs) Okay, okay. So yeah, we are in agreement here. We're all the same. I guess it also means that you're a very diverse person. And you're not multi- like, oh, that's you're a multi- good way of putting it. Thank multi-faceted. you. <laughs> so I think with that we can give our final rankings now. Sure. Rumble, please. Um, I will give it ten out of ten, obviously. Of um, <laughs> Bishop. Okay, I'm gonna give it eight point five out of ten. Cut hairs. Cut hairs, okay. Yeah, yeah. The most memorable portion. I mean, in the in the book, I still remember that particular portion of it because it's horrific. But she gave up her two front teeth as well as her hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is it for our discussion for Les Mis. If you want to talk to us about either of the acts, any previous musical we talked about before, or if you want to give us recommendations for things to cover in the future, you can reach out to us via our social media at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. If you're not a social media person, neither are we. You can reach out to us via our email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you also have it in your big ginormous heart to leave us a ranking or review, specifically five-star ranking would be preferable, uh, you can do that through Spotify or wherever it is you're listening to our podcast from. We'd really appreciate it because it will help people discover our podcast, will help boost our um, podcast through the algorithm so more people can find us. So if you can, please do. We'd appreciate it a lot. But apart from that, thank you very much for listening and bye! Bye!